Entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Been a great third down defense the last two weeks. The Steelers have got an interception and a run back all the way home. It's Belaine with the touchdown on the pick six. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Mahomes drifting downfield. Intercepted. His first of the season, Jeff Heath. Now in. Jumping at you live on a Friday. It is a remote heavy Friday at KSHP as we get set to roll into another jam-packed weekend here in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. It is the T.C. Martin Show coming your way live. KSHP, you can find us at 107.1 FM, also 1400 AM, and streaming all over the nationwide web at the tcmartinshow.com and kshb.com as well, too. The doctor is not in. He's out today. We figure he's either in route or is already there as the highly anticipated matchup coming up on Sunday between two of the teams that were expected to be the super teams in the WNBA will be squaring off on national television as the Aces take on the New York Liberty and a big-time, prime-time matchup on Sunday. Noon, I believe, Pacific Standard Time is when it's going off. Might be 9 a.m. our time, to be quite honest with you. But uh, big-time matchup, and the doctor, of course, he is the voice of the Las Vegas Aces, will be there in New York for that game. So he, we are filling in for him on a Friday, and uh, always a great joy to be joined by one of my co-hosts, co-host here in the in the Las Vegas Valley, longtime sports host with the show Out of Line over on Fox Sports Radio on Sunday mornings, 8 to 9 a.m. Brian Feldman joining me here live at the Westgate. Brian, it's good to see you. You Friday. as well, man. The game isn't nude on Sunday. They're not it making everyone new. get up at it super early. It's uh, noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. on the East Coast. But uh, the WNBA game of the year to this point, I would yeah. think, Chris, with uh, the Liberty and, uh, you know, as good a players as there is, and then the, the Aces, who I think are a juggernaut to win the uh, WNBA title back-to-back. And T.C. Martin is going to be sporting a second beautiful ring at this point next year, I'm guessing, because I just, as I've said many times, man, I cannot see the Aces getting beaten in any kind of a series. One game, sure, anything can happen. But even in a three-game series, I can't see someone beating them two out of three games, Chris. Solid prediction right out of the gate here, right? Going with the Aces with the uh, repeat back-to-back. I love it. Brian Feldman, but uh, no question about it, right? The storyline at the beginning of the season was we have a couple super teams in the WNBA, right? The Aces obviously are one of them, especially with the acquisition of uh, Candace Parker here to add to the team that already won the championship a year ago. And, of course, New York was the other team with Brianna Stewart, you know, a perennial MVP over in New York, along with Sabrina Inescu and, and the rest of that quality squad over there. So there's no doubt about it that that was the storyline and that was kind of the narrative going into the season. So it's going to be a highly anticipated matchup coming up on Sunday. So looking forward to that as well. Also, we are looking forward to Brian Feldman, of course, is the NFL season. Well, before we are, real, real right. quickly, I yes. just thought since we mentioned the Aces, right. 
how do you not mention Diana Tarazzi and what she did last night? I'm not if you're familiar. Uh, another 40-point game. She scored. Ten, she is the first and only woman ever to score 10,000 points. In she's 41 years old now. Scored her 10,000 points and had a 42-point game at 41 years old last to night. To me, gotta gotta give her some. To some props me, Brian that. Feldman, that's the more extraordinary part about it. Yes, it, no. Look, it is extraordinary. 10,000 points. First WNBA player ever to do that. But for a 40-year-old to drop 42 in a WNBA game, that, to me, is uber-impressive, to say the least, that Diana went out there. Look, she hasn't been that scoring juggernaut, you know, this 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 past season or even last season. But uh, th- it goes to show you there are times where she can step up her game and absolutely perform on a you know on a premium level, and that's exactly what took place last night in that in that game where she drops the forty the forty plus spot, you know, in a in a regular season game for the for the Phoenix Mercury. Yeah, you know, last year, Chris, it's to, credit to her, she was hurt. Remember, we saw right. her here in Vegas, and mm-hmm. she was always I think she was nursing a bad ankle for a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're that old, the bumps and bruises are twice as bad. But no doubt about it, hats off to her. Huge applause. It, it is a tremendous accomplishment, and um, they talked about uh, one of the, there was some stat last night that she's about to break. Oh, scoring forty points over thirty-five years old in games, and she did it. Uh, it's been done five times by Carl mm-hmm. Malone and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and now Diana Taurasi has done it six times. No one else is ever in a professional career over the age of 35, scored 40 points in a game more than four times, and Diana Tarazzi did it last night, so pretty impressive. You know what's kind of hilarious, Brian, taking a look at that box score? So Tarazzi goes, you know, 12 for 21, 6 to 13 from 3, drops the 42. Nobody else on the Phoenix Mercury roster had double digits in the game. The other high scores all had eight points. Uh, Gustafson, as well as uh, Jefferson, Mariah Jefferson, and uh, and Onawali also had eight points as well too. So like, it was it was the Diana Taurasi show without question, and then everybody else is kind of along for the ride in that victory over the Atlanta Dream last you night. You have to give her the moniker of the goat mm-hmm. when you talk about women's professional yeah. basketball. Diana Taurasi is the goat. She has done it for so long, Chris. When you think how long she's been in the league mm-hmm. and been around women's basketball and been a part of it, a part of one of the most storied college women's programs right. in history. I mean, I don't think anyone argues that UConn or Duke, uh, excuse me, UConn, Tennessee, are probably the two most storied programs. Played for the most storied coach in Gino Yuriyama and. Look what she has done as a mm-hmm. professional, both abroad and in the United States, as good as it gets. And again, um, got to give her all kinds of props. So I'm pumped that you brought that up, Brian, because look, this is a Phoenix Mercury team, right? That had a 20. This shows you the fluctuation of kind of like the other teams in the WNBA. The Phoenix Mercury won that game by 20 points last night, 91-71 over the Atlanta Dream. Atlanta's over 500. Phoenix got to their seventh win of the season with that 20-point win. They're now seven. And 19. My point being is that you know there's a lot of uh, question marks as far when you when you have every other team in the WNBA play, whether it's against each other, you know, in certain situations, and then there's the Las Vegas Aces when they step on a court against another team in the WNBA. To me, the Aces are clear far and away the the cream of the crop in the league, and it's kind of like it'll be. And look, you you made your prediction, and I I would happen to agree with your prediction prediction, but at this point. It's a matter of if the Aces do not win a championship, it's going to be a monstrous disappointment, right? We're going to be talking about this like, oh, my gosh, 
this was a collapse if you don't end up capturing your second WNBA title and your and going back to back. Yeah, if you're Las Vegas. No no question, Chris. I mean, there's three teams that, that realistically, in my opinion, have any shot at winning the WNBA title. Aces, clear in a way, the best of those teams. I would take into the team they're playing tomorrow, or I should say Sunday afternoon, mm-hmm. into account as the second-best team, the Liberty. They've got the second-best record, 20-6. and six. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. And then, of course, uh, the Connecticut Sun, uh, last year's uh, the Eastern Conference, defending Eastern Conference champion. They're 19-7, and seven, a game back of the Liberty in the Eastern Conference. But th- those three teams really stand out above the rest. The Dallas Wings, granted, they've had, they had success. They did beat the Vegas... Uh, Golden, uh, they did beat the Las Vegas Aces in, in one of their three meetings, but I, I don't think the Wings have a shot against the Aces in a three-game series or a five-game series. Uh, to me, I think it comes down to the Aces and the Liberty, and I think, Chris, that could actually be a good series where the Liberty could maybe defend their home court, and that could go the distance, but again, in an overall series with the Aces having home court advantage throughout the postseason, and home court means a great deal because the Aces, unlike a lot of other teams, in the WNBA fill their arena, and yeah. you know, miss two get a slice. I mean, you know, the Aces are uh, the Aces. They are, got legends. They got legends all over the place, they, man. They, they Not def- just on the court, Brian Feldman. <laughs> when it comes to the Aces experience there at Michelob Ultra Arena. Oh, it, it, but you know, I digress. No, yes. <laughs> it is. It, 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 it's impressive, and you know, that's one thing. You know, I talked about it yesterday. You know, I was on uh, on pushing the limits with Brian Shapiro right. yesterday out mm-hmm. at Mendehall Center, yeah. USA practicing. Awesome. I, I would I would say that I got to interview Grant Hill, but I got to sit next to Grant Hill for 20 minutes while Brian interviewed him. I didn't get a chance, but I'm teasing Brian Shapiro right now. Exactly. But but anyways, realistically, um, you know, we talked about this yesterday and, uh, you know, about how good this Aces team was and going forward how it's almost impossible to see anybody beating them without per se, an Asia Wilson or maybe right. a Jackie Young mm-hmm. or maybe, a, you know, um, a Kelsey Plum or, or Gray going down. Or even Chelsea Gray. Right, right. Chelsea yeah. Gray. One of those four goes down that could potentially change the dynamic of this team. But they're showing Candace Parker was just kind of giving her a shot to win a ring yeah. by bringing her aboard. They're playing without her. And Kia Stokes has done a decent job in her place. And they've gotten a few other people that have stepped up as well, picked up a few on contracts. This Aces team is going to be ridiculously hard to beat. And it's just that simple. And uh, and I'm looking, forward to, I'm looking forward to watching them run through it again. But again, what we did talk about is Mark Davis and his love for this team. You know, he, he is very clear when he says the Las Vegas Raiders are Team 1A for me and the Las Vegas Aces are Team 1B. There is no 1 and 2. And he, you know, I can't say he is going to be able to or carry the torch that Kobe Bryant left when he departed this planet and left a gigantic hole in the WNBA because there's never been a bigger spokesman or an advocate that has the kind of presence Kobe Bryant does. And yet... Mark Davis has almost kind of, in a smaller way, picked up that reign because being an NFL owner with that kind of exposure and putting so much into the Aces, the nicest practice facility of any team ever in the WNBA here in Henderson, Nevada, that Mark Davis built for them. I mean, it's probably better than most NBA practice facilities. And then, of course, when you look at their rings, Chris, I have seen a number of championship rings of so and you. I don't know that the Aces pale in comparison to any ring ever made. 
made. So here it's a WNBA championship ring, and it looks about as nice as a Super Bowl ring. That's pretty impressive, and that is compliments of Mark Davis because the owner is the one that dictates how much money is spent on those rings and the way that they look. And he fabricated, had some tremendous rings fabricated, Chris. And again, to me, that is stepping up in the WNBA. I just hope that this doesn't warrant expansion too quickly. I think right now the WNBA is finally looking at a profitable season by one of their franchises, the Las Vegas Aces, being actually profitable this year. If they go ahead and expand because of that, it would be a catastrophic mistake in my opinion because, again, the WNBA in their history, like it or not, people, has been unprofitable. They have lost money every year. They have been existence for all you people crying that they should make more money. When you're le- I want to know again, and I've said this several times, when have you worked for a company that's lost money every year that they've been in existence and their employees are screaming, we need a raise? No, you don't need a raise. We're going out of business. The WNBA has not. They have remained. So, so the bottom line is, again, Chris, is, you know, the Aces, because of Mark Davis, what the Aces have done and continue to do right now, they are really, it is paying tremendous dividends for the WNBA, in my opinion, as a whole. To your point about Mark Davis, and uh, to a certain extent also, you can say this about Joe Tsai in New York with the Liberty as the owner of the New York Liberty. It's about raising the standard, right? It's about raising the bar. With, with respect to how the players are handled, right, how, how the organization is run, how things work in the WNBA. It's just kind of a, it, it feels like it's completely different here in Las Vegas and even in New York, too, as well, and probably a couple of other franchises around the WNBA also. But, yes, uh, when it comes to the, you know, and this, this is a debate we can get into for a couple of hours when you're talking about, uh, you know, equal pay for WNBA players or raising their salaries. I mean, there's a number of reasons the, why. The that's not something that's necessarily viable right now. But that being said, you're right. When it comes to Mark Davis, it is about raising a standard. The Women's Professional Soccer League, prior to the Women's World Cup, Mm -hmm. just paid Dennis Rodman's daughter $1.3 million over three years, the biggest contract ever signed by the Women's Professional Soccer League. Mm -hmm. Look at how popular women's soccer is right now as everyone is dialed into the Women's World Cup as they're the favorite to, you know, to, win, to win FIFA for the women and win the World Cup. And yet the highest paid women's player ever is not even close to the highest paid women's basketball player ever. And yet I would argue that women's soccer is more popular than women's basketball. At this time of year, when the World Cup comes around, it becomes maybe the most popular women's sport around. And yet again, you know, the, those athletes aren't paid at all. So, yeah. Sticking on the hard court, uh, you, you brought it up. Let's touch on it. USA Basketball is here in town. They're set for a tilt against Puerto Rico on Monday at T-Mobile Arena. You mentioned kind of the transition, right, from the coaching staff to obviously the roster because it's going a little bit younger with the roster. But the coaching staff, I mean, you're talking about Steve Kerr, you know, one of the best coaches in the NBA right now. You're talking about Eric Spolstra, a guy that, uh, you know, has ab- absolutely accomplished as an NBA coach. You're talking about Mark Few, one of the best college coaches of all time, quite frankly, out of Gonzaga. And then, of course, you've got uh, Teron Liu as well, too, a guy that's also won an NBA championship. So uh, NBA uh, USA basketball is in good hands from a coaching standpoint. You talked about yourself and Brian talking to Grant Hill yesterday at the at uh, at Mendenhall Center. You talked and and you guys gave had an observation regarding this team, right? You, there's it is a transition as far as the talent. It seems to me they're going to the younger generation, I guess, is the way I'll put it. 
with uh, the roster, but the expectations when it comes to USA Basketball, right, Brian? It's through the roof. I mean, it, with USA Basketball, with USA Basketball being the gold standard for so many years, even in years where they get beat, they're still the team that's expected to win. It's very much the same, and it doesn't matter if it's Coach K at the helm. It doesn't matter if it's Greg Popovich at the helm. It doesn't matter if it was Chuck Daly at the helm. That is what is expected, right, when it comes to USA Basketball. The expectation is excellence, and they're going to try to put that on display on Monday night against Puerto Rico. Well, of course, ever since the transition from only allow, being able to use collegiate players to using professional players with the original Dream Team, the expectations of United States basketball was already high. Chris, they were winning gold medals when they were college players. Mm -hmm. So as soon as it became all NBA players, it's, it's ridiculous. And even though there are NBA players sprinkled throughout the competition through FIBA competition, you know, Luka Doncic, I mean, how, how tough is that Serbia team going to be just by one player alone? So, yeah. I mean, you know, you've got players sprinkled around, but cumulatively, the USA has the best teams. And, and even though they are much younger players, a lot of the older guys are saving themselves now. There's so much money to be made in the NBA at this point in time that you don't want to hurt yourself. And maybe there's not as much pride against the older players, but the younger players, are you kidding me? There are some great players. You know, Brandon Ingram, the first comes to mind. That is a star in the NBA for the Pelicans will be playing for this team. Josh Hart, another guy who is who is a pretty a pretty big star in this team. Surprising with like a guy like Austin Reeves right. getting an opportunity, which I think is really cool. A guy for the ways. And how about a guy like Bobby Portis? He's a guy that when I talk about Bobby Portis for the Milwaukee Bucks, this is a blue collar player. You saw him a couple years ago being an integral part of the Bucks' first ever NBA title. And Bobby Portis is just a guy that gets dirty and gets things done. And you know, you want to laughing saying well, one of the almost one of the senior statesmen of this team at like 26 years old. But, Chris, what you said, to your point, as far as the tutelage of this USA basketball team, how can you not respect? I don't care if you're a 26-year-old all-star in the NBA, you're going to respect Steve Kerr. You're going to respect Eric Spolstra. You're going to expect Tyron Lue. And... You know, in the mix with the greatest collegiate coaches ever, right there is Mark Few. I mean, there's, I don't know if they'll even wait for him to retire before Gonzaga constructs a statue to him. You know they're going to eventually name the basketball arena at Gonzaga after him. Yeah. And the question, Brian brought it up yesterday, Brian Shapiro did, is whether or not Mark Few will ever coach in the NBA like or, or take the same road as maybe Coach K and never delve. I don't know that you do. And people think that Mark Few will eventually go to the NBA. NBA. Why I don't think he might is you got to look at guys like Rick Pitino, John Calipari, guys. The only successful guy that's ever made the jump, we're familiar with him really well, is Larry, Larry Brown, Brown. Yep. who's won at both the collegiate and the professional level. It's a really tough, you know, guys like Brad Stevens. We just saw the pains and aches mm -hmm. and pains he had. You know, you look at a guy like Jay Wright, who's not coaching right now at the collegiate level, think, hmm, is he going to end up coaching in the NBA? He'd be a guy that I think could make the transition and get the respect of professional players, what he's done at the collegiate level. But again, Chris, I don't know if Mark Few ever makes that jump. He is a legend. In, in Northern California, there's nobody bigger than Mark Few. I mean, that guy, like I said, he could run for governor of the state of California and probably get elected right now. Oh, yeah, no question. Well, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Well, Pacific Northwest. Pacific, Pacific Northwest, Northwest yeah. that's, yes. But the, here's the thing. This is what fascinates me about this kind of topic, and I, and I want to bring this up. You talk about respect, right, among the, the players on the 
team. These are the these are uh, you know it's a team that's form. It's not necessarily all the you know twelve best players from the United States of America. It's a team. But it is a team of accomplished players, right? Oh. Guys who have, you know, who are playing in the NBA. Most of them, I and mean, making an impact. Most of them are, yeah, right? I mean, so Banchero should be. A so you good bring idea. up Mark Few, right? Mark Few never coached in the NBA, right? And I always flash back to Coach K, right? Coach K garnered a tremendous amount of respect from the likes of LeBron James and from Kobe Bryant and and NBA players. He never coached in the NBA, yeah. right? Didn't but didn't it's Coach K. The guy dominated in college. He's, you know, revered not just as a great uh, – he's just revered as a great basketball coach. So many not, NBA not, players It doesn't matter do. that, he didn't, that he didn't coach in the NBA. So, I mean – I mean, when guys like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James are like, oh, we're, we're, you know, we are on board the Coach K train, and we're gonna, you know, he, we, we have the ultimate respect for this guy. Then everybody else is gonna fall in line. That's on the team. You want so, a great laugh, real quick? Yeah. So, so yesterday talking to Brant Hill about Coach K. Mm-hmm. So Brian was talking to him and asked him a question. I'd love to say I asked him a question, but I didn't get to ask him any questions. I'm, I'm messing around. Hey, um, hey, but yesterday, Brian, hey, Brian had the mic on lockdown. Yeah, man. That's what, that's what hey, you know what? How often do you get to interview exactly. a guy like Grant Hill? But yeah. One of the things Grant Hill said about Coach K, which really shocked me, he said Coach K never ran a play. He goes, Coach K wasn't an X and O's. He said he was not an X and O's guy. He didn't. Coach K did not draw up basketball yeah. plays. Literally out of Grant Hill's mouth, he did not draw up basketball plays. What Coach K was good at was the meshing of the players, mm-hmm. getting them to buy in to his 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 belief right. in them, to belief that uh, in the belief in Duke University, and to be able to attend and see the court at Duke University, you are already have a foot in the door of the NBA just yeah. by starting here. Those were the philosophies Coach K put out to his players, mm-hmm. and hey, they worked through an entire illustrious career. But how crazy is that that Coach K was not an X's and O's guy and didn't draw up. X- Actual basketball plays for his team. That blew my mind. What was he doing with the chalkboard? Doing poetry? I mean, I'm, I'm blown away by that. But then again, when I think about it, did Coach K ever carry a chalkboard? I saw Izzo carrying one all the time. But did Coach K, I'm going to have to go back and look at some highlights, Chris. Speaking of college coaches that were floating around, right? I believe uh, Jay Wright was also rolling around down there. He was supposed and, and, to be on the show. And by the way, Mr. Feldman, taking a look at the roster, it is. You want to talk about a heavy Villanova influence? There's a Villanova Wildcats all over the place on this roster. By the way, saw on social media a few days ago. Uh, apparently, uh, Jalen Brunson got married. I believe it was last week or a week and a half ago, a couple weeks ago, and uh, it, it was a pretty cool picture on social media with J- with Jalen and all of his former Villanova and maybe some current Villanova Wildcats. Uh, there in the picture with Coach Jay Wright. So. You want to talk about a backcourt with Jay- Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart eventually for that New York Knicks yeah. team? That's why the Knicks are one of the upcoming teams in the NBA, and both these guys are going to be showcased on Monday night at T-Mobile Arena playing against Puerto Rico. This is going to be a good, exciting game, Chris. And, you know, yeah. we saw how sports, and, 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 and really we could talk about this for an entire show, but yeah. how sports are now really influencing this city and how much has changed. We saw this year in the NBA Summer League, granted you had, the, the they say, the number one player coming into the draft this year, the best since LeBron James, so that definitely created a great deal of interest to come out and see the Milwaukee, or uh, see the San Antonio Spurs future yeah. star, but in the same respect, you had sold out 
Thomas and Mack for some of these summer league games. We haven't seen the Thomas and Mack sold out since Jerry Tarkanian yeah. was biting a towel on the floor at, at the Thomas and Mack Center. But that, to me, doesn't just show that, hey, everyone was interested in seeing this new potential NBA phenom, but everyone is showing up because of the bug in sports. I have a feeling we're going to see a good turnout for this USA game to, on Monday night. I and, think. of course, along with guys the likes of Jalen Brunson, you got some young talent that is just going to be fascinating to watch when it comes to Paulo Benchero. Obviously, Anthony Edwards is a big-time oh. player with the Minnesota Timberwolves now. You've got uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., solid player also with the, with the Memphis Grizzlies, also on this team. So, there, there, it, it, to me, there's a nice mix of guys that have been in the league for, for a little bit. You mentioned Bobby Portis, of course, and, and uh, as, as well as uh, uh, Austin, Austin, Reeves, Austin Reeves. The confidence. Austin it's Reeves, up-and-coming player. Look, I'm not going to sit here and act like Austin Reeves is, is a perennial NBA all-star. There is a reason. But he's a quality player. There yeah, is a he reason is, yeah. he is on this team, Chris. Mm -hmm. No doubt. He is a hustler. Yeah. And Austin Reeves exemplifies something Bobby Portis does as mm -hmm. well, and that is heart. Yeah. You can't coach that. That's either in you or it's not. And this, to me, is going to pay tremendous dividends for the Lakers because how about the confidence Austin Reeves is going to gain from get, be, getting on this Olympic yeah. team? So they match up on Monday against Puerto Rico. A little bit of a kick in the backside motivation for Team USA. I know it was, it was, it was over a decade ago, but Puerto Rico knocked off Team USA. Yes, I believe that was the, was that the Carlos Arroyo Puerto Rico team back then? Back, back when Carlos Arroyo was, wow. was playing in both Orlando and, and our Detroit Pistons, I believe. I think you're I right. I think Arroyo yeah. was on that team. Anyway, they had a couple of NBA players on that squad that knocked off Team USA. They do have now a couple of players that are NBA players playing for this team, Team Puerto Rico, that will be on display on Monday night. So we'll get a chance, if you're in Vegas, get a, head on out to T-Mobile Arena and check out that matchup as Team USA takes on Puerto Rico with some late summer. Is it really late summer, though, really? I mean, we're talking about August, but uh, some summertime hoops action from T-Mobile Arena here in Vegas as that's going down. Of course, uh, we are here in Las Vegas at the Superbook here at the Westgate, one of the premier Superbooks in town, folks. I mean, you would talk about an atmosphere. We're talking about uh, we have, we have uh, VIP kind of suites going on in front of the, the center bar here in the clubhouse area. you got a poker tournament going on right here, so there's a lot of action right going on. It was, uh, it, was a, it was a frenzy trying to get in here, Brian Feldman, to, uh, to do the show. As, uh, this is one of the places Friday night in Vegas. Friday night in Vegas, and it's starting to get, get riled up. And the, West and, uh, and, and the Westgate is a reasonably priced casino. I mean, mm -hmm. they have games, and I mean, that's uh, why you'll see a place like this get packed. It's off the strip and even on a Friday night you'll find some reasonable table games that people come to play so yeah and we got uh, some tennis action going on we got yeah. some live golf as well obviously coverage of uh, training camps the NFL training camps have started up and major league baseball action which we'll get into later on in the show because of uh, the trade deadline some major deals went down there's some teams that have absolutely bolstered their chances as we roll down the stretch of the major league baseball season and we'll take our first break here on the TC Martin show Chris Wynn Brian Feldman in for T.C. Martin, the doctor, on your Friday. It is 1400 AM, 107.1 FM, and find us streaming all over the nationwide web at the tcmartinshow.com as well as kshb.com. On the other side of the break, we've got some news regarding an incident that took place in Las Vegas. It's news, big news in New Orleans as well as Indianapolis. We'll get to that and much more NFL stuff on the way after our first break here on the T.C. Martin Show. Now, more from your favorite sports radio physician. Wow, that's the best news I heard in a dog's age. The Dr. T.C. Martin. 
Dormit Tours of the Weekend. It is the T.C. Martin Show coming away live, KSHP AM 1400, 107.1 FM, and also on streaming live at tcmartinshow.com as well as kshb.com. T.C. Martin is on the East Coast getting set for a big-time matchup. Aces, New York Liberty on Sunday. Nationally televised game, and you can hear it here locally, folks, on ESPN Radio as the voice of the Aces, T.C. Martin will have the call. One, two, and three for Kelsey Plum from downtown. I'm Chris Wynn along with Brian Feldman here jumping in on a Friday live from the Superbook at the Westgate, one of the premier sports books in the country. I'll say it. Yeah, in the country. One of the no best doubt. sports books in the country. It is a Friday. Action all over the place. I believe we do have one final in Major League Baseball. I think we had an earlier game an 8 nothing blowout, I think it was, uh, that went down. But we got a lot of action on the screens right now. you got live golf going on. You've got uh, some tennis as uh, well as uh, some MLB network action as well, too. So, And we just got done talking about uh, two things going on that are big time here in Las Vegas. That is the Aces, of course, and USA Basketball in town set for a tilt against Puerto Rico on Monday. But... As the sports world goes in the United States, Brian Feldman, so goes the NFL, right? It's big time. Oh, and of course. Of course, last night was an opportunity for all of us to get to see the likes of the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns on the football field in the Hall of Fame game. Yes, Brian, they put on the jerseys. Yes, they have a game. It's, you know, they have referees. It's every, it, it has all the pageantry that is NFL football. But it is preseason, okay? So you did not get a chance to see the debut of Aaron Rodgers with Gang Green and the New York Jets. You did not get a chance to see Deshaun Watson for the Cleveland Browns. And a lot of key players didn't play. But i got to get your thoughts, your ideas, when it comes to preseason football. Because I have mine. And I think it's a very valid reason why the NFL decided to go to three, three preseason games as opposed to four. I think, you know, obviously... It's not regular season football, and it's nowhere anything close to playoff NFL action. But I do think there is a necessity when it comes to preseason. It's getting guys reps. It's getting, you know, a little continuity in a game-time experience with your teammates in the NFL. There is a solid purpose for it. But there, there is a clear distinction, right? When you turn on the TV last night, I happen to be out at, uh, at one of my favorite watering holes checking out this tilt between the Browns and the Jets. It's just something different about preseason in that there just isn't that urgency, I guess, is the word I'll use. And But still, for hardcore football fans, it's kind of cool to see the guys out there in uniform and actually getting a chance to perform together. You know, I got a text yesterday from one of my buddies when I'm club finishing up work because obviously he's a, he is a central time in Austin, Texas. I'm here, so two hours later than it is here, and the game had already started, and he says, just all caps in the text, I football is on my television set. Exactly. That is what it means, Chris. I mean, it is football. It's the, the Hall of Fame game marks the beginning of a new NFL season. I think it's vitally important. I think the preseason, as much as it is scary and you don't want to lose anybody, the NFL is such a collision sport. I don't want to use the word violent, even though many people do. I'll say it's a collision sport. And because it's such a collision sport that people get hurt. And you don't want to lose somebody in preseason. But unfortunately and fortunately, preseason 
season is a must. It is a requirement, is a necessity, yeah. because you have to, number one, number first more, whittle a team down from 90 players to 53. Mm -hmm. That is number one. Number two is it is a way to assess talent. Yeah. You can see the hunger. You know, what What I really like when you see preseason, you see those first and second round draft picks and how hungry they are. And then you see the ones that are just kind of trying to avoid getting hurt because they know they're getting paid. And you see the heart in players. And these are things that we might not assess as the general public, but the coaching staff definitely assesses these things and they see them and preseason is one of those things when they say the term necessary evil right. that is preseason NFL football. And let me be very clear right? The overall record at the end of the day doesn't mean a thing. And we and I, Brian Feldman, know all about this because you and I are Detroit Lions fans. And let me have a recollection. I believe I remember a Detroit Lions team going 4-0 and in the preseason and then just being absolutely atrocious in the regular season. So when it comes to the overall record, it's not necessarily a major indicator of anything. But all of those aspects you just talked about are the most important thing when it comes to preseason football. But you know what else preseason football is good for, too? It's good for having time to talk about things like off-the-field stuff, like contracts. Right, Brian? Of course, a lot of discussion this, this preseason and this, tra these, this training camp season is quarterbacks getting big money and running backs not necessarily getting big money or some getting big money and some not and some still kind of out there in the wind. That's the case here in Las Vegas, obviously, right, with Josh Jacobs. And we'll talk to Mike Dixon from Vegas Sports today. He's going to join us in the second hour. He's been covering training camp with the Raiders. We'll talk more Raiders along those lines. But sticking more with, like, the NFL as a whole, uh, it, is a, uh, it is a situation where once teams get into training camp, right, and you start playing preseason games, that kind of is where the rubber meets the road with a lot of these contract situations because you have the holdouts, right? You have the guys who are trying to use their leverage you know, and, and to try to get a better deal or to try to get a deal, period. Right? So it, a lot of it when it comes to training camp and preseason is about stuff off the field with respect to finances with teams, and that, that's a big deal. Oh, there's yeah. no question, Chris. There's guys that are not in camp right now that will eventually be in camp. Guys like Zach Martin right. of the Cowboys. There's no way in hell Jerry Jones isn't signing the best interior lineman in yeah. the NFL. He'll get paid. You know, he's he's a, most people all say he's the, one of the top. He's paid. He's the eighth highest paid interior lineman. That's ridiculous for a guy like Zach Martin. But one thing I have learned in this post see, in this in this preseason, Chris, and I don't saying that I just learned it isn't is isn't actually accurate. Mm. Something we all know, but it's not discussed enough. It is the in how invaluable teams consider NFL running backs. And, and we've talked about this before, that the average NFL running back, now again, it's a bit of a skewed number because there are usually four running backs on every team, three or four, and there's only one kicker, but the average kicker makes more than the average NFL running back in the league, and I'm sure Justin Tucker in Baltimore has a little bit of a problem with that since he's paying like $6 million a year to kick a football, so that skews it, but again... 
you look at the running backs out there right now, unsigned, a la Josh Jacobs, the best statistically statistical running back in the league last year, a guy that played played injured almost every season. You look at Jonathan Taylor in Indianapolis wanting a trade now, still on the pup list right now, wanting a trade. They're not paying him. You're looking at Delvin Cook now. Granted, he is still not 100% right. healthy, but yet teams are playing around with him. Now, he might be a guy that's going to sit and wait until maybe a team needs a running back or loses one. He has that luxury. But again, these are some of the top names in the NFL, and they're unsigned right now, and, may, and very possibly all three of them may not start the NFL season. That hurts the league as a whole. And and part of that is Saquon Barkley's fault for signing such a cheap one-year deal in New York. But in the same respect, running backs, Chris, a great running back, gives you maybe three great seasons and maybe a couple of more serviceable ones. That's the life shelf, the shelf life of an NFL running back. So again, when these guys aren't getting paid, you can't get that upset because we see it in fantasy football and there's a million fantasy football players. You see one year, all of a sudden, you know, it is... the. Um, Todd Gurley is the top pick in everyone's draft. Three years later, he's out of the NFL. I mean, that's the way that it works for most of the time. You don't see the top guys in fantasy drafts never stay there for longer than two years unless they're a quarterback. Gone are the days where Brian Feldman, Nick Nice, Chris Wynn, when we were youngsters, right? And you had the number one bell cow running back, right? Gone are the days of the Eric Dickersons. Gone are the days the Barry Sanders. of the OJ OJ of the OJ Andersons. Gone are the days of the Walter Paytons. Gone are the days of the of 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 of, of you said Barry Sanders, Billy Sims, right? Guys who were number one running backs. Horses. And and look, it, it, it kind of started going that way back when I'm sure when Nick was growing up because you, I'm sure you were a Roger Craig fan. Roger Craig I wouldn't know. I don't know. Would you consider him like a number one, you know, four down, three down running back? He was, almost, back? He mean, was no. almost a slot receiver so, that played running back with Roger, but a tremendous running yeah, back. Yeah, but it, it's different, right, Nick, now yeah. than it was then. You guys can hear me, right? I can hear you, but I don't know if the microphone is the microphone on? I don't know. I can't. Okay. Well, it's not on. I can't hear you. Either. Yeah, we can't, we can't hear you. All right. So but so Nick Nice going to jump well, on it because Nick. You know, lifelong Niners fan, and I talked about that. Look, this is not a situation like it was back in the seventies, eighties, nineties, and beyond, and in early two thousand. You do not. There are teams that win Super Bowls, guys, without that, a running with a back. Running, with James White at running without back, without a Patriots. running back. Uh, you know, look, last year, last year, the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, Edwards Alaire, quality running back. You don't He's look not at him their like guy you don't look at him like, like now wasn't even but was, you don't look at him like a Jonathan no. Taylor right or or you know or even a Josh Jacobs you don't look at him like Saquon that Barkley, at all no. so like you you nailed it in that there is a devaluation of the running back position in the NFL that has taken place and it is stark you notice it it is absolutely yeah. in your face out there so that puts these guys like Jacobs and Barkley before he signed his deal and others. You know, in a tough position. And so, make no mistake about it. It is absolutely, and you talked about the shelf life, right? Think think about all the other skill positions, right? Skill positions in the NFL. Wide receiver, quarterback, right? Tight end, even. Yeah. Running back is by far the shortest the shortest career span of all of those. You pointed out, running back's, what, three, four years? Yeah. That's what you expect to get out of a guy. If a guy plays for 10 years like Barry Sanders did, right, or more than 10 years like an Emmett Smith, 
or uh, Frank Gore. It is an it's an aberration. It is it is an outlier. It's not normal. You know. So that's Where another used to thing be that, the norm, like yeah, you said. The 70s organizations and 80s. know that. Yeah. The organizations yeah. know that. So, uh, and you brought up Dalvin Cook as well, because Dalvin Cook's kind of an interesting thing to me because he, I think, is an absolutely productive back that can no play doubt. three downs. And look, well, look. In, in reality, it looks like the Jets and the Dolphins are the two teams that are probably going to get his services, right? But the question is, how much are the services going to be worth? You know, how what is he going to get? And that's been the discussion for the last, you know, three, four weeks when it comes to these run, the running back situations all over the league. So And nobody panics. I mean, like, even here in Las Vegas, Josh Jacobs is a workhorse. Yeah. This is a guy that puts it on the line every week, plays hurt all the time. And they're like, hey, you know, Zaire White's going to have to step up this year. You know, I think he's got a chance to be a good running back in the National Football League. But, you know, you're going to put him on the page the same level right now with a Josh Jacobs? I mean, come on, that's a huge drop-off. When you're bringing in a new quarterback to start your regime, you ask Jimmy Garoppolo, are you okay if Zaire White's going to be your starter instead of Josh Jacobs? See what he has to say about it. Yeah. You know, but again, look at, you know, Dallas Cowboys, a good example. We talked about Zach Martin. Last year, when Ezekiel Elliott was basically getting the boot, we knew Pollard was going to become the Dallas Cowboys back, and Ezekiel Elliott was on his way out, which we now see. Was was Dak Prescott saying, pay, pay the man? These yeah. guys are friends. They came into the league at the same time, mm-hmm. and yet this year when Zach Martin, the first thing Dak, Dak Prescott stands up, pay him! But he wasn't saying pay him for, for, for Ezekiel Elliott, was he? It's amazing how valuable the, the quarterback saying, well, Ezekiel Elliott's not going to prolong my career, but Zach Martin might. That's the mindset of uh, you know of, of people when they think about running backs. Well, here's you, the thing, though. Would you rather this, have Chris uh, all pro stud offensive tackle or the best running back in the league? Oh, without question, it's all pro offensive tackle because that's a Blind guy that side anchors offense. that anchors your front, your anchors your big uglies there up front, go. and there that could be a monstrous impact when it comes to having success in the NFL playoffs. But getting back to you know the running back situation, get, getting back no, getting back to to the Dallas Cowboys, right? Used to be America's team. I don't think they're America's team anymore, but whatever. D- Jerry Jones, his mindset is kind of uh, wild to me because this is a team, yes, they have won a couple of playoff games in the last 20 years or so, but they haven't really been a threat to, to win the Super Bowl since 1995 when they won the Super Bowl, right? Then when they went, when they went back-to-back and, what, three out of three out of four seasons. 94, I think, was the last so, one, but yeah. So it's so intriguing to me because he, if you listen to Jerry Jones every single year, he talks about him like this is a team that should be considered one of the top three or four teams in football to win a Super Bowl. And then people start to break it down, right, and take a harder look at the Cowboys. And they say, uh, no, yeah, you guys can be on the outskirts a little bit. Maybe you can be like the fifth or sixth team most of the time. And but it's never a situation. It hasn't been a situation that I can remember. Maybe you can refresh my memory in in the last decade plus where you've you've started an NFL season and said, "Oh yeah, Dallas Cowboys are one of the two or three teams in the NFL that we're looking at to win a Super Bowl that we expect to win it." It just isn't that. It, it just isn't the case. But they build the hype up down there so much. And look, it's Texas. It's Dallas. It's football. We get it. You know, it it, it matters. It's a religion down there. I understand all that, but it is it is always just fascinating to me to see how things are handled down there in Dallas with Jerry Jones and how much hype is, I guess, the right, is the best word, 
that, that comes about almost every training camp and every preseason when it comes to all things Dallas Cowboys entering an NFL season. Well, you know, Chris, I, I honestly do get it for a couple of reasons. <laughs> yeah. For the monetary reason. Mm-hmm. The last time I checked, and I will check again today, the number one selling logo in the world is Manchester United. Yeah. Number two is uh, the um, uh, is the New York Yankees. Yes. Number three, Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys. Yep. They are still America's team, Chris, and, yeah. and we might not want to say it. And the reason there's always <laughs> hype about it, and the reason there is so much, and the reason it sells their 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 logo sells more than any other logo, including the New England Patriots in the National Football League, is for one reason. It is because of the fact that there are Dallas Cowboy fans, more Dallas Cowboy fans in America and throughout and abroad than any other team in the world. And you would think that would have changed maybe with the run that Tom Brady had with the Patriots, but it hasn't. The Dallas Cowboys logo still sells tremendously well. I can't get away from Chris. I don't think you can ever have a football conversation in, say, someplace like here, the Superbook at the Westgate. If we walked around right now and you and I still were talking football at Westgate, right. we would run into a couple of Dallas Cowboys. Cowboy fans. They are just everywhere. <laughs> they are. They're and that everywhere. is the reason yeah. that the hype is there every year. And as a matter of fact, this year right now, what the doubt, da- what the, what the, if you look, the number one favorite team to win the NFC is the, the San Francisco 49ers, which is weird. Number two is the Philadelphia Eagles. And number three is the Dallas Cowboys. Right. And the scariest thing of all is, you know, who number four is. That would be the team from the Motor City, my man, friend. Oh the man. Detroit Lions. God almighty, my Last hometown. time they won a playoff game was 1991. You and I remember that well. It was, Nin- it was against those Dallas Cowboys. It sure was. In which they pretty much lambasted them. They did. At the Pontiac Silverdome. Before Dome, they went and got even, Which isn't even there anymore. Before the they Silver got Dome's lambasted gone. by the, yeah. the, 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 at the time, the Washington yes. Redskins, I can say exactly. it. Because I'm talking past tense. Yes, you are. At, at RFK Stadium, got destroyed in that and game. And in fairness, the Redskins were the best team in football that year. And they, they were, and that doesn't figure. That's but. when the Lions have their run. There's a juggernaut that they've got to go up against in their same conference, <laughs> so they can't even make that jump to the bowl. But the point is, Chris, yes. is Dallas, once again, is one of the teams that is more or less favored to be in the hunt for the Super Bowl. And just like yourself, I am absolutely blown away by that. Dak Prescott, I, I don't want to say he's the most overrated quarterback in the National Football League because he's not overrated. People, yeah. I don't think, think he's that great, but yeah. he's just not. Statistically, the man throws almost as many interceptions as he does touchdowns. He he gets himself into pickles constantly. He makes wrong decisions. You know, I'm not going to say that he's a terrible quarterback, but I'll tell you right now, if you told me I can have Dak Prescott or Tony Romo in their prime, pick which one, mm. who are you taking? I would take Dak Prescott. Would you really? I would, yes. I don't know. Two. I don't know about that. I mean, look, Tony, Ro- Tony Romo, say what you want about Look, the guy was gifted athletically. There's no doubt about season. it. But what did he do? He what did he do? But what has Dak season? Prescott done? How many Super Bowl rings does Tony Romo have? Zero. Exactly. How many has Dak Prescott well, done? Yeah, no, Dak Prescott's in the midst of his career, though. I, Tony Romo's it, done. No, I agree. I agree. But I'm just saying, you know. I mean, you put me on the spot. Tony Romo's a From a standpoint, definitely Dak Prescott. I mean, look, I agree with you. I think, See, I don't know I think people talent, are, are overstepping their Chris bounds talent, when they say he's overrated. I think he's rated. Okay, he's not overrated yeah. and he's not underrated. I think he's rated right about where he but is. But is he a Super Bowl? Is, is he a Super Bowl quarterback? He can be. He can be with a the right Super Bowl team. quarterback with the yes. right team. With yes. the right team. I'm not that saying was, he's Trent Dilfer. Okay, where he was on a Super Bowl team with, that he was carried or Brad by a Johnson defense, or Brad Johnson no, or someone I, like, I understand. or Mark Rippon. You know, yeah. I'm, but but. 
Uh, Mark Rippon was pretty good. Yeah, but you but, know what I'm saying, though. I'm, no, I I'm, I'm trying to make the point that, you know, Dak Prescott, I think he is. People uh, have expectations of him right where I think he is. I'm not talking about expectations of the Cowboys because it's overblown all the time. I'm talking about what they expect. Well, he finally, won a, he finally won a playoff game for right the there. Cowboys. But, yeah. but, but like I said, when you say you know he's definitely more more you know athletic, I'm not sure. Tony Romo's a hell of a golfer. Like like Tony Romo's borderline golf, yeah. borderline PGA Tour golfer. Wait a minute, you think Tony Romo is more athletic? Was more athletic than I think it's Dak a close Prescott. call. I, I don't when think Dak Prescott's healthy, obviously. Well, well, but 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 I honestly, yeah. I mean, you're using wait time out. You're also using golf. As an example of athleticism, golf and one I of hand, my favorite golfers I, of all hey, time is John. When Daly, you are so, a quarterback, golf. eye hand coordination <laughs> and dis- and quick decision making are, are huge. And with golf, it's muscle memory. You have but to be able to do the same. Right. It's yes, coordination. and hand eye coordination, yeah. which is gigantic. So, as the quarterback position, I think that's a big thing. And golf and, is from the neck up too. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's up. it's your head. It may, and, and and there are there are some tremendous athletes that couldn't golf at all, and there's some great golfers that weren't were nothing good, but but golf. Golfers, but I still think it yeah. bodes to Tony Romo is able to play multi-sports at a very, very high level. So I do think he's very athletically gifted as well. I, I Like I said, when I throw Tony Romo or Dak Prescott up in the air, I'm not going to be... If you tell me that Dak Prescott's hurt today and Tony Romo's your guy and they're both at their at their peak of their career, I'm not that disappointed. It's not like, well, we're losing a lot losing Dak and we're bringing in Tony at his prime. I don't think yeah. you lose that much. My point is, it's a similar guy. And neither one of them is going to take the Dak Dallas Cowboys to the Super Bowl unless their defense gets really, really good. And they get Ezekiel Elliott in his prime. I mean, Pollard might be okay, but you never know how somebody's going to come back from a knee injury in the National Football League. Anything can happen. So, you know... I, I don't I, I understand the hype of the Dallas Cowboys because yeah. again from a monetary standpoint and from a marketing standpoint, they have done as good as anybody in the National Football League, which is why that star is so famous internationally. The same reason the Yankees logo is famous internationally. It's been marketed really well and some of the best players in history have played on those teams. And and with the Dallas Cowboys, it has been years. But that Dallas Cowboy team that won three Super Bowls not too long ago, they were pretty flipping good. And, uh, and and I mean, when you look at them from top to bottom, you've got about 12 Hall of Famers overall that at one point or another played for that Dallas Cowboy team. Yeah. That's almost unprecedented in NFL history. So I'm going to take a level-headed approach here when it comes to those rankings in the NFC. And I'm going to say this, and I make Nick Nice and other Niners fans very happy. I think there's two really good teams that can win the Super Bowl in the NFC. And then I think there's, there's teams like Dallas. They played in the Detroit, NFC Championship Detroit, game last year, and maybe Minnesota and a couple, a couple others that that can be in the mix. Maybe throw a monkey wrench in the situation. But to me, it's Philadelphia and San Francisco, and then it's kind of like everybody else is in the mix, and some wacky stuff could happen come playoff time, where you know a Detroit knocks One off thing. a Dallas in the playoffs, or knocks off uh, maybe a Philadelphia in the playoffs, but. To me, I mean, you're looking at the rankings. I'm thinking it's it's definitely the city of brotherly love and, and the city by the bay are the two teams in the Niners and the Eagles that are, that are really really formidable and could and could end up ra- uh, raising up 
the Lombardi Trophy come February. Statistically, defensively, the San Francisco 49ers were the best team in the National Football last year. They've won so many different categories. There is a big problem in San Francisco right now. They need to get Joey Bosa's name on some ink in a hurry. Yeah. The guy led the National Football League with 18 and a half sacks last year and is one of the most predominant edge rushers in the game. They need to get him signed. That defense, without that anchor, they're still really good. I mean, oh my God, Fred Warner is an absolute beast in the middle. I don't know that I like a middle linebacker better than him in the National Football League. Joey Bosa, as good as it gets on the edge, they got to get him signed. And again, the good news for San Francisco, for Nick Nyson and my friends out there that are San Francisco fans, yeah. Brock Purdy looks healthy. And as much as I, st I think Trey Lance is an athlete, the bottom line is when you've been in the National Football League three years and you still can't consistently throw a spiral at the quarterback position, that is a problem. How does he not throw a perfect spiral every time when you're drafted that high? I worry about Trey Lance. I like I, I like his demeanor and everything. I know we got to take a break. I hear the music, yeah. but I like Trey Lance's demeanor. Mm -hmm. But I think the San Francisco 49ers, all their fans, everybody wants Brock Purdy under center when the season starts. It's not a lock who that signal caller is going to be in San Francisco yet, my friend. It's going to be a battle throughout training camp and in the preseason. We are the T.C. Martin Show coming your way live from the Superbook at the Westgate. Chris Wynn, Brian Feldman in for T.C. Martin. Mike Dixon's going to join us in hour number two. He's been covering Raiders training camp. We're going to dive into some of the some of the hot topics when it's when it's all when it's said and done when it comes to all things silver and black and much much more in hour number two as we continue live from Las Vegas on your Friday on KSHP AM 1400 107.1 FM and streaming live on the nationwide app that is the T.C. Martin Show as well as KSHP. Dot com. We'll come back right after this.